Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, apparently Peyton isn't ready. I've been working this morning, and Peyton has been asking, read, 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 read. And now that I'm ready, she says, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Well, she better be ready because she's got a field trip today, and we got to get things moving, magoovin'. Move, move, magoove. Okay, let's go. This isn't what it looks like. Secret series by Pseudonymous Bosch. Book four, chapter five. Chapter five. What? what? Chapter book four. Number four. Yeah, come on. Okay, chapter negative five. A conversation in the dark. Cass stepped out of the kennels too late to see where they'd taken the jester. Approaching the palace, she scanned her surroundings with the double monocle as if it were a pair of field binoculars, but no luck. Okay, honestly, our puppy is just... Oh, you, come on. No. Dog, you're driving me crazy already, okay? Okay. All right, let's try that again. She's got her little spectacle her double spectacle oh it doesn't show a picture it just it just said that she had it like like it was a pair of binoculars but no luck as for the homunculus knowing him Cass figured he'd probably gone in search of the palace kitchen kitchens and was at that very moment devouring a roast pig twice his size unless he was too scared to stay to stay so close to lord pharaoh in which case Cass supposed he was long gone she'd come so near to achieving her goal to meet the jester and ask him about the secret about who she was but now she felt further and further away from achieving her goal than ever not to mention what kind of secret could the secret be if the jester's if it was the jester's secret it hardly seemed likely that such a nutty moody man would hold information uh, to the fate of the entire world. Lost in speculation, Cass didn't notice at first the maid holding a pail out of the window above. Cass got a whiff just in time to jump out before the contents of the pail were poured out in a long, unpleasant stream. I won't say what contents were in those, but if you knew what a chamber pot was, you can guess. Remember, this was before the invention of indoor plumbing. Ooh, so she was pouring... A, a pail of pee-pee and poo-poo. Yeah. Ew, you'd think that they wouldn't pour it right outside of the window. Come on. That's nasty, man. Cass expected there to be a great splatter next to her, but as it turned out, the chamber pot had emptied directly into what looked like a stone well into the ground. Oh, okay, well, that makes more sense. The stench issuing forth from this well, if it was a well, would have been enough to make most people steer clear but the light coming out of it made Cass curious. Pinching her nose, she looked over the edge. She couldn't see much, but what she could see enough. But she could see enough. There was indeed a pool of water at the bottom. But the water was filled 
but the water was filled with waste. From somewhere down below came faint cries of prisoners as well. Just imagine even the even faint, the fainter jingle of the jester's hat. Right, the waste is yep. A royalty privy, it appeared, was also the palace dungeon. But how do you get in? She could, she could try repelling herself down the bottom, but then where would she land? Cass remembered lowering herself into the pyramid at the midnight sun, only to be greeted by flames licking her feet. The pool of waste would almost be worst. Almost? I think the... Well, I guess, okay, I guess that's, that's hard to say. Sudden death or people's poo. Thankfully, Cass found, her, found another route. Not far away was a large stairwell descending underground. I would probably choose um, poo. Mm-mm. I mean, honestly. Or, I'd rather have my feet burn. Are you kidding me? We can't even we can't even handle a burn from a hot glue gun. You think we're going to be able to have all bottoms of our feet burned? Well, I can have my tongue burned. No. You, oh, are you kidding me? You were like a, a mess yesterday. You know you'd choose poo. Mm-mm. It's almost certain that it led to the dungeon. A heavy iron gate blocked her way down, but she figured if she waited long enough, somebody would eventually open it. Sure enough, a posse of six soldiers soon arrived with their new prisoner, two men from Anastasia's team of bandits, their masks now hanging loose around their necks. You can lock us in iron, but it is you who are slaves to the king, shouted one. Think you can keep us any longer than the first time? I wouldn't bet on it, shouted the other. Cass felt not entirely sensible sympathy for the bandits and briefly considered using her invisibility to help them in some way. But she decided her efforts were best directed in the service of the jester. She stayed close to the soldiers until she was inside the gate. Then she paused to let them get ahead. Following their footsteps, she found herself in a long, winding passageway that normally would have been too dark to navigate without a torch. With the aid of the monocle, she could see every crack and crevice and had no trouble at all. Unless you call having to avoid rats and cockroaches and one particularly large spider trouble. Well, honestly, it's probably not very clean down there. You know what I mean? Really? Well... Yeah? Seriously, yeah. You think it's not clean out of there. It's a dungeon. I know. A poo dungeon. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You think it's not clean out of there. No, I don't. Ugh. She knew she was close when she had to hold her nose. Now very dimly lit by a few candles burning on her walls, the corridor widened until it became kind of an underground rotunda with a pool of waste in the center of the prison cells surrounding it. Not far ahead of Cass, soldiers slammed a cell door shut with the, uh, on the bandits. She pressed against the wall as they passed her on their way out. The cell doors, made of iron, crusted with rust, and had only small openings in which to communicate to the inmates. Cass stood on tiptoes and looked in the first well. It was dark and difficult to see, but it was almost certain there was no one inside. Before she could get around to the second cell, Lord Pharaoh stormed in holding a candle, accompanied by a prison guard. If you don't tell me where the creature went, you'll spend the rest of your days here. I swear to it, he shouted to the cell's inhabitant, and then he 
Then he strided away, then started striding away in Cass's direction. Yep, that's he was yelling at the jester. I know not where your monkey went, came the, came the reply from the door. I only know where you're going. And my advice is not to bring that cloak. You'll be much too warm. In fact, you'll be burning. Cass slunk, slunk back against the wall, but not in time. Lord Pharaoh brushed against her, jarring her arm and causing her to drop her monocle. Luckily, the glass didn't break, but, the, but it hit the floor with a large, loud enough clink to catch Lord Pharaoh's attention. What's that? Cass stood frozen, her heart beating in her chest. The monocle glinted in the torchlight. Lord Pharaoh picked up the monocle and Wait, turned over. Okay, Invisible. Yeah, but she just dropped the monocle. How curious, a double monocle. And then it happened. He put the monocle on, looked straight at her. Curious indeed, he said with a sinister smile. He reached out and grabbed her arm, and she tried to push him off, but he was too strong. I thought for a second you were a trick of the eye, but now I see you have a trick of the touch as well. Cass stared back at the man staring at her. Enlarged by the double monocle, his green eye looked ominous and reptilian. She wanted to make a retort, to say something smart and stinging to this awful man, but she found she was too afraid. Why is it when I look at you, I think I see into the future, mused Lord Pharaoh. You are not of this time, am I right? What is it? asked the guard nervously. A ghost? Lord Pharaoh snickered. If she is a ghost... She is but a sniveling girl ghost. There is no need to fear her. He tightened his grip on Cass. There is a very intriguing glass you... This is a very intriguing glass you have. What else do you bring from your invisible world? Empty your pockets now, or I will have the guard do it. Cass obeyed, but there is nothing in her pockets. Saved for a crumple, crumbled wrapper, Lord Pharaoh unfolded it, revealing a tiny triangle of chocolate. Cass let out a gasp. It was the uneaten bit of Senior Hugo's special time-traveling recipe. She'd forgotten that there were any left. Lord Pharaoh sniffed the chocolate and then touched it to his tongue. What is this, some kind of spice? It's chocolate, Cass answered, surprised, surprise momentarily coming over, over, coming, overcoming her fear. Then she remembered that the New World had treated it yet to be imported to Europe. It is vile but unique. I shall have to study it further, said Lord Pharaoh, unwrapping the remains. Cass looked for a sign that Senior Hugo's chocolate was having an effect on him. With any luck, Lord Pharaoh would fall to the ground unconscious, but apparently one taste had been too small to make a difference. As for you, let's throw you in with the jester. Later, we shall learn how to kill a ghost. Lowering his monocle and inspected it briefly, she should have told him, you can't kill a ghost. I know, yeah. He lowered the monocle and inspected it briefly. I have a distinct feeling that the future will be much brighter for you. He, without you, he concluded, replacing the monocle. This time with an expression so satisfied, one might have expected him never to remove the monocle again. Cass choked back a sob. Without the monocle, she'd never be able to escape. The bells on the jester's hat jingled in defiance of the darkness. Who's there, he asked. Though I cannot see your face, I would know what unlucky soul has entered this gloomy place. Cass peered around the cell, trying to make out the, the form of her fellow prisoner. 
the only light that came through the small opening was the cell door. There was a glimmer that she just thought might be one of the bells on the jester's hat. She crawled towards it. Um, hi, my name is Cassandra, but everyone calls me Cass. Cass, the jester repeated. You are, but alas, if my ears do not lie. Why is such a child as you take place in this? What did you do wrong? Or is it rather, what did you do right? If I am here, then this prison must be reserved for the best and the most bright. Cass giggled. Evidently, the jester's mood was on the up upswing again. It's kind of a long story, but, well, I think the part of the reason is that she took she took a breath. She may as well say it. I'm invisible, and Lord Pharaoh wants to find out why. The jester laughed. Tis a good joke, but no real riddle. We are all invisible in the dark. Come now, tell me the true story. Or, if not true, then at least a better one. No, really, you won't be able to see me even if there were light. See, watch. Take your hat. By now, Cass had located the jester before he could protest, and she pulled his hat off his head. Look, see how the little bits of light is shining on the bell? Now feel my hand. It's right here, right? I'm, it's, it's there, right? Now I'm moving my hand over the bell. See how there's still light on it? No shadow. Nice trick, I admit, said the jester impressed. If you can do this sort of magic in the daylight, we might put on a show together. It's not a magic trick. That's my friend Max Ernest's department. He might be a great magi- He must be a great magician, your friend. Does he want a partner? I will give him one coin for every ten we make. Oh, I'm feeling like a rich man already. I shall make it too. Forget about Max Ernest. He's a really difficult partner. Trust me. I should know. The point is, light shines through me because I'm invisible. It was the important that it was important that she convinced him. Cass decided. For one thing, she didn't want him to die of shock if the cell was ever illuminated and he couldn't see her. On one more practical level. On one more practical level, if he first accepted the fact of her invisibility, it would be easier to make him believe that he was more unlikely that she was a visitor from the future. Here now, I am putting my hand over your eyes, and you can still see, right? The gesture didn't say anything, just nodded. You are a ghost and a spirit, he whispered for a moment. I have not, I have not met such one before. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's hard, said Cass. I think it depends on how you define ghost. The jester shuddered in the darkness. I know what you are. You're not a ghost. You are the voice that is my head that they warn you about. He reached for his hand, his hat, and put it back on his head as if it might squelch her voice. The bells, the bells shook mockingly. You see, despite my vanity, I fear for my sanity, he whispered. When they call me mad, I always laugh and tell another joke, but in secret I worry about my mental yoke. There's a pun, by the way. The brain is the yoke of the egg of your head, but you also your mental yoke is your mental tether, which is a sense of reality. See there how I ramble? Wait, stop. I'm not a voice in your head, I swear. If anything, you're in mine. I mean, I might think I might think I'd be dreaming in a way. What? What are you saying? You confuse me more than you, you Willy Wrath. Very well, you sneaky spect- specter. Do not spare me. He stood 
he stood, warming his theme. Take me, O gods of the insane. I will be your slave. If you will have me, I will rave and rave. For in madness lies escape from this horrid prison. If I live in the dark, I will imagine that I am a lark. If I must live in the dark, I will imagine that I am a lark. These walls will not see me die. From my mind, I will fly. My flesh will not may rot, but I need it not. Would you just stop talking for a second, Cass demanded, in the firm voice that she reserved with Max Ernest when he went off on one of his long, ridiculous tangents. You're not crazy. You're just making me crazy. Now listen, this is going to sound really weird, but I come from the future, hundreds of years from now. Actually, you're my great, 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 and a bunch of other greats' grandfather. Ha! You are not satisfied to turn my mind to jelly. Must you spread it on toast and eat it too? Wait, feel my ears. Cass reached for the jester's hands and made him touch the points of her ears. See, they're just like yours. That they are, said the jester agreeably. But it proves nothing that you are the future, not that you are my future self, merely that you, like me, are an elf. He's an elf? Cass froze, her heart beating in her chest. Could that be true, as incredible as it sounded? Was that her secret? Was that the secret? Are you really part elf, she asked. The jester chuckled. Now it is your mind that is lost. No, I am not, and none is that I know. Oh, said Cass, relieved and disappointed at the same time. Well, elf or not, I'm your descendant, and I'm 99% sure anyways. The jester sighed. Perhaps you are. I myself am sure of nothing. Calm again, the jester sat down next to Cass. Now, now's the time, she thought. She was about to ask the secret when a large crash echoed in the corridor. Oh, cool. The other guys are escaping. Remember, he said, see how long you can keep us this time. Uh. So I wonder if he's going to let them out. Aw. I love good prisoners that are actually not bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we can do one more. Want to do one more? Okay. Yeah, two more. Mm, oh, no. Well, it just depends. You got a field trip today. Okay, see you guys in a minute.